You're listening to Sportsnet Today on the official home of your Calgary Flames. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Into our number two on Sportsnet Today. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you all very much for making us a part of your Tuesday afternoon. You can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I am at Primetime Klein. Coming up this hour at 2.30, we will hear from John Hodge from Three Down Nation as we get ready for the postseason. Semi-finals are here this weekend. It is the Stampeders taking on the BC Lions. Also, the Alouettes and the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So we'll be chatting with John Hodge coming up uh, in about half an hour's time. Your texts, very welcome at 960-960. As we look today to fix the Calgary Flames. Again, I do want to put the asterisk or whatever on it. Not that it totally matters, but... I do think that there needs to be a bit of a step back to take a step forward with this team. However, that tends to not be the mantra of this organization. So with that in mind, let's try to get this thing back on track. What would you guys do to to fix the Calgary Flames? Let us know at 960-960. I think, first of all, you look at what you have internally when you're looking to to build things up for the Flames. Instead Instead of tearing it down, we're building them up today. Um, and I, I think they're getting it right with uh, with Huberto, Lindholm, and Manjapani. I think that if those are going to be two guys in Huberto and Lindholm who are going to actually get going, Manjapani is going to be a very important part of going in there, working his magic in the puck retrieval world. Uh, he's also someone who can put some pucks into the net, and I think his goal scoring is going to be very important for this team. He's someone who has scored 35 before, and I think if they are going to get back to prominence, relevance, or whatever they, they want to be getting back to, Manjapani is going to be an important part of that and getting him going offensively. I, I just feel like the three of them kind of, should mesh in a way that helps this team going forward. I have for my preferred, I guess, uh, second line, it would be Zari, who is playing with Kadri uh, today, but instead of Sharon Govich, what the team has, I have Coronado. I just think that, again, offensively, I think it's a good mix of, of Kadri who can get in there, and when things are going well, um, he can kind of muck things up a little bit and also produce offensively. You have Zari, who obviously has figured out a, a level of playmaking, and there's some skating in there as well, and you have Coronado who can score from anywhere, which is not necessarily a gift that a whole lot of players on this Flames team have, and so I think he makes this line kind of round out a little bit. Third line, I would have Backlund and Coleman. Those guys just have to stay together, and I would put Sharon Govich on that line. Another thing, when you're looking at trying to get the goals back, and that has been, I think, the biggest issue for this Flames team, and the thing that you're looking to to generate, and I think, like, when I asked Julian um, at the end of hour number one there, if you're, like, what is the, the, what is the, the, the easiest problem to fix? I don't know if it's the easiest one, but I think the biggest one that needs to be fixed right now is just this team offensively, and this team scoring goals, and if there's going to be, I think, more goals coming, one of the guys who has the potential to just go on fire with that is Sharon Govich. And if you get him with Backlund and Coleman, who have been excellent so far this season in creating some opportunities, allow them to create opportunities for a dude who has scored 25 goals before and is still on the the right side of um, 20 and 30 or whatever. But he is 
I, I think he has a lot of potential to, to really get this thing going for them offensively. And he is someone who I would like to see used in a more prominent role. And it seems like he's going to be uh, in that spot, but that's where I would put it. And then for a fourth line, I would have Dubé as the fourth line center with Rosicka and Dewar. I, I think that that is a line that can provide a lot of energy. We've seen the fourth line spend some pretty good chunks of time in the offensive zone. They even get a goal in the outdoor game with, uh, with AJ Greer, who, again, is not necessarily in my preferred 12, but certainly would have a role on this team if you wanted to go crash, bang, bang, boom, and help get things going in that way. So I that that's how I would do the, the forward group defensively. Um, there's a bunch of different ways you can go with this. I would go Uyghur, Anderson, Hannafin, Tanev, uh, Zadorov, Osterly with Markstrom and um, Vladar between the pipes. So that's how I would have it with this team as currently constructed. Now, there are moves that I think you can make to, to try to help that out, but that's what I would have. Let, let's see and go to the text line here at 960-960. Trade Kadri and Zadorov for William Nylander. Look, if you could get William Nylander in here, that fixes all of, not all of the problems, but boy, that fixes a lot of problems. Doesn't help the cap situation because he's going to want about $10 million going into next season. And that would be difficult to do, but I... Yes, if you could go out and manage some way to get William Nylander, uh, that would help. I do not believe that Nazem Kadri, at like the lowest his trade value has been in forever and Nikita Zadorov is enough to get that done from a Toronto standpoint. They're kind of in win-now mode. Um, so I, I don't think that is enough to get it done. And to be perfectly frank, I don't know if the Flames have enough to get a, a William Nylander trade done. Also, both teams are so right up against it salary cap-wise, it would be very difficult to, to make the, the dollars and cents work with that. Uh, Coronado has one regular season goal, uh, so technically he can score for one place. You know what? Fair point. Excellent rebuttal. There's humor in it, uh, and I see what you are getting at. Shut up, but I see what you're getting at. No, that's a, it's a funny uh, text, but yeah, I, I think the offensive upside is certainly there for him. It, it maybe hasn't come as smoothly as we would want here uh, to, to start this season. So uh, looking at different ways to, to build this team, someone uh, agreeing with me, Lindholm back on Manjapani. Um, oh no, that's different than what I have. Oh, that's an interesting look actually. Uh, and then you would go Ruzichka, Huberto Coleman and Zari Dubé Greer. I, I don't know if that's the best utilization of Zari necessarily, it's definitely, it's definitely a mix and definitely something to try. So I, I like the creativity there. Simple solution for the flames score that more than one goal a game. Fair. That certainly would help. And that is absolutely what we are trying to do. Easiest thing for the flames to fix effort. And that is, and I think honestly, it's one of the reasons why you've heard so much focus on that is because there has been so many different challenges for this Flames team this year. You you can just like kind of limit it down to, well, yeah, just try harder. I, I, I do think the effort on occasion is there. There are some times where it does seem like they are relatively easily broken um, during some stretches. Like there, there are some nights where the, the other team will score and you can just kind of see it in the body language. It's like, we have to get two now? We couldn't even get one. Two? Two? You can see where it gets a little bit broken in those senses. So I, I do not like questioning the effort of professional athletes and professional hockey players. But yeah, it certainly seems like there could be at least a little more effort put into the right areas. 
for it for this team to to continue to to make some pushes. Uh, someone mentioning this one here. They say trade Markstrom and bring up Wolf. Uh, I don't necessarily have that. If you could make some form of a move to to move on from Dan Vladar and bring in uh, a Dustin Wolf, I do think that that I do think that that provides some real interesting dynamics with this group. It also helps out when you're looking at salary cap space with $2.2 million going to Dan Vladar on a team that if it weren't for LTIR would have some major cap issues. And even with that, have some pretty substantial cap issues going on. So I, that, that would be, I think one way to, I think it honestly, with all due respect to Vladar, who at times was the most consistent goalie for the flames a season ago. I think that that has the potential to raise the ceiling a little bit going uh, from Vladar to Wolf. And then you do free up some of the, the salary cap space with that as well. So I, I do I do like the uh, do like the idea with that one. Let's keep the text coming at nine six zero nine six zero to fix it. You got to find a center that fits with Huberto. I think we agree he doesn't fit with Lindholm or Kadri. So we got to start throwing things at the wall to see what sticks. Dube, Sharangovich, Ruzich, Zari. Start throwing these guys at center with Huberto. He doesn't need a star. See Bennett. He needs the right fit. Um, I don't know if I'm willing to give up on Huberto and Lindholm just yet. Uh, so I, I don't agree that he doesn't fit with Lindholm. I, I think you just need the right third guy on that team. You, you need the, for a dated wrestling reference, because I haven't made enough of those, uh, you need the, the the right Hulk Hogan to go with the Kevin Nash and Scott Hall to be the third man on that group. But I, I still think, in theory, having someone who has been a high-level playmaker in this league paired up with someone who has the potential to score 30 goals just seems to make sense from a, a Huberto Lindholm standpoint. So I am not willing to give up on that just yet. I, I think if you're looking at, at making some moves for this team to try to go out like trade market wise and address some of these issues and try to, to go out and actually make this team better. And again, I understand the thought of giving up actual assets to make a second last place team in the NHL just a little bit better makes people skin crawl, but we're just for the purposes of this exercise and trying to get the most out of this group. Now, I do think there's a couple of things that you can look to address. Um, the salary cap situation does make it extremely tricky. And I, I think that you have to get a little bit creative with some of these, but in, in talking with Julian and then the last one and just watching how this team has gone, I do think that you look at, this team having a certain lack of speed. And I think you need a, a little bit more offensive punch, but again, those guys don't just grow on trees. You know, everyone is looking to add more offense right now. Everyone is looking to add a bit more speed right now. And if you could add a bit more size, there would be that, uh, th that would be great as well. Um, you, you look at it here. There was one that I wanted to get to, and this thing jumps around so much. It's difficult to find, but someone was saying that there needs to be some added size. I wonder if someone like, and I know he has been around Flames rumors for forever, but I do wonder if there is uh, would be another interest in a, a Josh Anderson. Some of the numbers haven't been great. I do think he's playing better than his numbers would suggest, and he would add a bit of size and someone who can go to some of those dirtier areas to score some of those goals. But I, I think there is an offensive upside with him that is tantalizing. The problem with him is that there has always been an upside to him that has been tantalizing, and it's never really fully been um, been realized. And while I think that type of potential can kind of get you the like hard eyes emoji and stuff like that, 
I don't know if the direction of this team right now would lead one to think, oh yeah, we can get the most out of him now because it's gone so well with everyone else. But he is someone who I, I think from a flame standpoint would be really, really interesting to get. You might be a couple of years late on it, but I, I still think that he does a few things with this group that they don't necessarily have. Um, there are a couple of others that like you go through and you look, there aren't a whole lot of teams that would be looking to, to dump things right now. I do think you look at, say, like if you're looking for speed, um, Kasperi Kapanen has a bunch of speed out in Pittsburgh. He would be maybe a little bit interesting if the, the Penguins want to shake things up a little bit. Uh, the Sharks are going nowhere. They have an Anthony Duclair and Zadina. Those would be a couple of guys who you could maybe look at. Uh, Duclair has scored 20 before. Um, Zadina, he is a lot of upside that has yet to be realized in this league and maybe it just won't, but those are a couple of players. And those are just some of the ones who I, I've kind of looked at when trying to, to build this team up to being one that maybe gets a little bit more offense out of this group and trying to, to add just a little bit more skill and a little bit more goals to a team that has really struggled to generate opportunities five on five, generate speed five on five. Those are just some of the, the issues that I have kind of looked at when looking at this Flames group. Uh, another text here at 960-960. Any idea when Jacob Pelche is coming back? Uh, I think he could get Jonathan going. That is certainly an interesting one and a one that, again, I, I don't think you can say, oh, well, the 25-year-old is the reason uh, the Flames aren't going well this season. I, I think that's a, that, that kind of shows a level of fragility that you wouldn't want to necessarily admit, but he would be a great fix. I don't think he's expected back until sometime in the new year. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm all choked up about it, but um, yes. Well, when he comes back, that, that will be a much needed boost to this team. Someone also pointing out if the Flames went to declare route, um, he's someone who has played with Huberto before. So there you go. Look at that. I'm just fixing chemistry problems. We're fixing the offensive side of things as well. Um, so I, I think that it's, again, it's someone who the flames have been rumored to be in on for a little bit, but when you're looking at teams that already kind of have an understanding that it's not going to go well for them and trying to move on, I think you look at a team like the San Jose sharks with, um, again, not a ton of talent on that team, but at least some when it comes to the, the offensive upside, but it's going to be tricky to just trade your way out of it. I think if you're looking at making some moves, higher draft picks need, especially like any kind of first round pick is 100% untouchable right now, given where, where this team is at. Like it, that, that is just an absolutely no go for me. Um, and even second round, boy, it would have to be a real good player coming back to, to be able to, to make that move or something fiscally that makes a, a whole lot of sense. So I, I think you are looking for a few more of the bargains if the way you want to go is trying to get this team fixed. Uh, more text, 960-960. Get the defense more involved in offense. Both goals on Sunday due to Uyghur getting involved. Lots of offensive talent from the defensive core. I will admit I have kind of put a... Um, I don't know what the, the, the word is, but I've, I've tried to bring that up less because it felt like every time I did a hit here last year, every time I hosted shows here last year, every time I hosted shows in other spots last year, my first thing was, hey, get the defense more involved. But I do think that there is absolutely, to, to what the, this texter is saying, I do think that there is absolutely a level of offensive upside that maybe isn't being realized with this group uh, on that blue line. Uyghur, it just feels like we've just scratched the surface of what this kid can do on the offensive side of things. You see him carry the puck up ice. The skating is great. Uh, the, the hands are great for a defenseman. And I think it does add a bit of that as well. 
excuse me, I think um, Anderson can get there too. Like he has an absolutely booming shot. And I would like to see, given how well he can skate, I'd like to see Hannafin a little bit more involved in that as well. Someone who was in the preseason and who just hasn't been in the regular season was Osterley. I thought there was a few times where he read plays great and teams were kind of cut, uh, caught puck watching, sorry. And he was able to, to sneak in on the weak side and get uh, a great backdoor opportunity. But no, and not only to this texture's point, not only do you see Uyghur getting more um, more involved with uh, rushes and stuff like that, but you see kind of the defensive havoc that can be called when uh, that, that can be caused when a defender does go into the offensive zone. You, you see how Kulak was just left wide open by the Flames um, because he goes in there and and pinches and creates an opportunity. We we've seen Eric Carlson when he goes down in the offensive zone to to help out with their cycle game out in Pittsburgh. That it, it just. It, it shouldn't be as much of a five alarm fire like, oh, man, a defenseman. We didn't account for this in 2023. But it does. You, you do kind of get into a bit of a lull of, OK, these are where the forwards are. These is this is where the defensemen are. And this is how we can defend them. You get into a bit of a lull like that in the middle of a game. And then all of a sudden there's four guys in the uh, attacking a part of the offensive zone. And just like, hey, wait, what? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why is there so much going on? Like it's it feels like just a, a subtle shift, but it can kind of get things going a, a little bit crazy. And for a team right now that offensively, especially five on five has struggled so much, I think more risks need to be taken. Like you're losing, they've lost five in a row anyway. Why not give her a go being a bit more aggressive on the offensive side of things? I think if we're looking at where improvements are going to be coming from, the power play I think is one as well. Um, like you look at this team and it's it just, it's, it's, it's interesting how perception can change about things because you hear national people talk and they see most schools allowed five on five and oh, well, Markstrom's struggling again. Well, he's not. The rest of the team is struggling. Markstrom has been really good. And you just look at it from afar and it's like, oh yeah, the, the power play, it just, it feels like the power play's a little bit better this year from the Flames. Just the, the way that they've been able to um, move the puck around and and attack a, a little bit more, it feels like, yeah, this thing's actually clicking a little bit. And then you look at the NHL stats and they're like fifth worst in the league and the power play's around 12%. I think that's going to improve. That That is one part of the, the systems debate that I will actually, I guess, allow and actually listen to. I do think the power play is going to generate more opportunities and more goals as it goes along because it does feel like they're moving the puck a bit crisper that there were some times the five on three looked like Edmonton's five on four and that's not ideal but I do think that this is a power play that is going to generate more opportunities and more production as the season goes along um it, it just it hasn't yet but that is something just where the bounces are going to go their way and going to help get this thing back on track and, and make it feel better uh, more texts at 960-960. I think it's time to move on from Lindholm. I really think he has just been lazy and not into the team so far. There is no way he's signing back with Calgary, and that is clear time to make a deal involving Lindholm, Curtis, and Ogden. Um, again, I'm, I am I struggle to call players lazy, but no, like he, he hasn't had the impact. And I do think that there has been maybe not as much attention placed on him because we're so focused on um, on Huberto and on, on Kadri. Lindholm's looking for $9 million and he has spent almost zero seconds this season looking like a $9 million player. So I do think some of the onus does fall on him to help elevate this team as well. 
Will it get there? I still like. I, I still think the world of him as a hockey player. Does he want to be in Calgary long term? My guess is no. Um, and that that is strict guessing. I feel like if he wanted to be, there's been a contract out there long enough that he would be. Um, and there was a little bit of waiting to see how this season has gone. And well, you've all watched. So I I do think that there is an opportunity potentially where, where that does happen. But for the purposes of just this exercise, we are looking to, to make what the Flames have right now into the best version of themselves, really. And I, I still think that that does include Elias Lindholm. Now, if there's a team that is looking for some kind of a blockbuster that involves a Lindholm that, that can make you better, for the purposes of this exercise specifically, you, you absolutely look at that. Um, but I, I think that if you're looking at moving a Lindholm, you're probably looking at going full bore into that other direction. And that is, again, a direction that I think a lot of Flames fans are ready for um, and a direction that I think that might make the most sense for this group. But we do have to look at the history of the Calgary Flames organization and, and what they tend to do. And it's not that. So that's why I, I wanted to do this today and just see what can we do with this Flames group in particular to try to maximize things? And I, I think with all the line juggling and trying to find a spark, there have been a couple of times where they've kind of gotten away from looking at the actual pieces and trying to maximize everything there instead of just, well, I don't know, that didn't work. Let's try this thing. And you can kind of fall into that trap when things have kind of struggled the, the way that they have. But I, I do think that there is... This team should be better than this is kind of what I am getting at. Now, if everyone plays to their hockey DB page and everything is firing at 100%, is this the best team in the NHL? No. Are there changes that do have to be made regardless of what direction this team goes in? 100%. Um, and it's been incredibly frustrating to watch and I do 100% get that and I don't want to trivialize that in any way. The, the purpose of this right now is just to see, can we fix this thing? And I do think you can kind of get it at least back on track. There is a long-term big picture thing that 100% needs to be addressed, 100% needs to be looked at. And I think a lot of a lot of the moves and a lot of the directions that this team has gone, not just in the last couple of years, but in the, the last 5, 10, 15 years, I think you can take a, a real good hard look at that. And, and as an organization, just truthfully, truthfully look at what you've done and just think, okay, this isn't what, what ha, the direction we have gone hasn't been working. So what can we do now to fix this thing and get it back on the track so we can build an actual sustained winner here in Calgary instead of a team that one year finishes first in the division and the next year misses the playoffs. And then, hey, look at that. They're back again. Look at that. They won a round and now they've lost a round and now everyone wants to leave. I, I think that some real honest and truthful discussions need to be happening in this organization right now and try to get this team back on track because what we're seeing has not been working. We'll see if they can do that with Connor Zari getting called up later um, or earlier today. He should be in the lineup when the Flames take on the Dallas Stars coming up tomorrow at Scotiabank Saddledome. Uh, we are coming to you from the DL Basement Systems downtown studio for Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls. We have a simple, permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They are all things basement. You visit dlbasementsystems.com. We're moving on to the Canadian Football League next. John Hodge from Three Down Nation joins us. We also have a staff support to get to. Going to be a busy last half hour. Join us for it, won't you? This is Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
It is the best time of year in the Canadian Football League as the playoffs are here. The East semifinal features Hamilton taking on Montreal. Out West here, it is the Calgary Stampeders heading into BC this weekend to take on the Lions. Here to help us break it all down is John Hodge from Three Down Nation. John, how are you today, sir? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing well, thank you very much. Um, Stampeders taking on the the BC Lions this weekend in the the West semifinal. Um, I don't know if going into a postseason at six and twelve is how anyone really draws it up, but for Calgary taking on a, a Lions team that they beat a couple of weeks ago, um, I, I think there are some people who are taking some optimism from that. From a, a Stamps perspective, how much? Or I guess from both teams, I guess. Um, how much can you take? from that game that these two teams played a, a couple of weeks ago and carry that over into their, their postseason matchup this weekend? Well, I, I think one thing you can certainly take over is simply the fact that they got back to their identity, right? Like this is a Calgary team that has struggled in pass protection all year. This is a Calgary team with a quarterback who has struggled to make big plays. This is a Calgary team that, that has a receiving core that has dropped a, a shocking number of passes this season, yet they've got a great group of running backs that they haven't used a whole heck of a lot. And suddenly, you know, this is a team that came out in that in that game that you mentioned a couple of weeks ago in Vancouver and, and just punched the BC Lions in the mouth. Like like the Lions to me are are a bit of a finesse team, which, you know, might sound like a bit of a knock. I mean, I, I think they probably have the best overall passing game in the CFL, but they're a little undersized along the defensive line. Um, offensively, they don't run the ball very well. And when you have a team that is maybe more Ferrari than Hummer would be an appropriate way to say it. <laughs> I think the great equalizer is getting physical and, and pounding the pounding the rock and, and trying to win a, a low scoring game. And if the Calgary Stampeders employ that script and they're able to to out physical uh, what I think is a more talented BC Lions team, I don't see any reason why they couldn't win the West semifinal. Yeah, you, you go back and look at that game. Jake Mayer completing just 10 passes for 123 yards, but they ran for over 200 in that game with Peyton Logan and Kadeem Carey going. And yeah, like that, in 2023, both uh, on both sides of the border, it feels like passing is number one, two, three, four, and probably five priority for a, a lot of offenses. And so teams kind of cater to that. But you look at the success they have on the ground. Kadeem Carey finally healthy as well. Having those guys capable of doing that. It's probably the, the Stamps' two best options right now, hey? Oh, absolutely. And and again, outside of Reggie Bagleton, I don't think anybody you, anybody in that Calgary Stampeders receiving core scares you at all. At least I, I certainly wouldn't if I was game planning against this team. Then you look in the backfield, and exactly, you see Kadeem Carey, who a lot of people forgot about this year. I mean, Kadeem Carey, by the way, played nine games, had zero rushing touchdowns, like like none. Yes, wow. he was hurt for half the year, but this is a guy who put up 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns a season ago. If you can make him the focal point of your game plan, get him, let's say, 15 touches along the ground, another five on outlet passes, swing passes, screen passes, that kind of thing. And then mix in a guy like Peyton Logan, who, if you will, is the, the lightning to Kadeem Carey's thunder. I, I think that there's a game plan there that makes sense. If you try to beat the BC Lions at their own game in the Dome with a pass-heavy attack, it, like, like no, that, that game's going to be a bloodbath. That, that, that's a waste of time. You have to play your game. You have to keep it a low-scoring game. And um, I, I frankly have no idea why the Calgary Stampeders 
didn't do more of that this season. I think that was a missed opportunity for them as they, they tried to ask Jake Mayer to be, you know, 2018 Boldy by Mitchell. And, and first of all, he wasn't. And second of all, the weapons at his disposal in the receiving core were also not as good as what Bo used to have back in the day. On the, the other side of this matchup, the, the BC Lions, you look across there and there's a lot of talent on this football team. Uh, 12 and 6, there's certainly nothing to scoff at, especially this year in the, the Canadian Football League doing that. It, it felt to me like there was a lot of really important games that BC kind of came up short in uh, like that game against Calgary. They still had a bit to play for to put pressure on Winnipeg and they, they kind of fell off in that uh, a loss against Winnipeg in a game that kind of ends up to deciding the West. What do you make of this BC lions team that looked great in a lot of spots in the regular season? Just not all of them that mattered. Yeah, they, they kind of limped to the end there a little bit, which which was disappointing. I mean, I, I picked them to win that game against Winnipeg in Week 18, and I was feeling great about that pick at the half. I mean, <laughs> he came out just just absolutely guns blazing, decimated Winnipeg's, I think, very talented defense, and then suddenly could not make the adjustments to counter what Winnipeg changed heading into the second half. Vernon Adams Jr. threw for something like 30 yards in that second half, minus the last play from scrimmage where, where Keon Hatcher almost broke it for a touchdown. But, you know, this is a club that, that is looking to take the lead chair, right? They've been playing second fiddle to Winnipeg for the last couple of seasons. A lot of people counted them out when Nathan Mark left for the NFL, and they proved, hey, we can still win 12 games without him, and we can make Vernon Adams Jr., a guy who, who nobody wanted a few years ago, was on the street. We can make him into an MOP candidate, and that's exactly what they were able to do. Jordan Maximek deserves a lot of credit there, their offensive coordinator. But this team has to find that next level of resiliency. This team rolled over a little bit, right? You mentioned the loss to Calgary. This was not a close loss, and this was not a, a game that that the team you know, could could realistically have afforded to give away. Like This was still a meaningful football game. If you win that Calgary game, you are forcing Winnipeg to win at least one of their last two games. Now, in hindsight, of course, the Bombers won both. But still, you, you, you think at this stretch of the season, you do anything you can to put pressure on an opponent, especially considering how big of an advantage that home field is going to be in the West, right? The BC Lions are perfectly suited to playing in that gorgeous dome they have out there on the West Coast. They are terribly suited to come onto the prairies in the middle of November. I mean, I, I'm sitting here in Winnipeg. We've had we've had six inches of snow on the ground for the past week. I, <laughs> I think Calgary's largely in the same boat where you are, of course, Pete. But mm-hmm. my goodness. Um, so I, I think that the BC Lions have a lot to prove here. Last season, they were the new kids on the block. This season, they are looking to take that next step and dethrone the team that has been at the top of the West Division, arguably the CFL, for the last four years. And you'd like to see a little bit more from their finish late in the regular season. Yeah, I, I don't think many picked um, picked Winnipeg to, to win that game. That There was only, I believe, one in the, the three-down picks that, that actually did that. We don't... We don't have to go into that too much. Uh, <laughs> looking at this Calgary team, just from a, a, a bigger picture perspective, I think a lot of people were hoping for more answers from the quarterback spot from Jake Mayer this year. As you mentioned, there are a lot of drops from the receiver spot. I do think some of those drops maybe go to a quarterback who, if he would have put the ball in one spot instead of another, it would have been better, but it's tough to put all of that on the QB. When you look at the direction of the Stampeders team, they're in a playoff spot. They have a chance to, to pull off an upset against the team who they beat a couple of weeks ago, but six and 12 is still six and 12. Where do you see this team in the direction of the Stampeders franchise? Big picture. 
Well, I, I think they need big changes this, this off season. I mean, when you look at Jake Mayer passing numbers, yes, he, he put up over 4,000 yards on paper. That looks really nice. By that same token, he scored touchdowns on 13.6% of his drives this year. That is literally half of what Zach Kolaris did in Winnipeg. That is half of what Chad Kelly was able to do in Toronto. And then you look at his average depth of target. I mean, this this guy, he hit 4,000 yards, but only because he, he got the chance to throw 10 million short passes. Like his average depth of target is nine nine yards. That is the shortest in the CFL tied with Dustin Crum and Taylor Powell. Taylor Powell and Dustin Crum have something in common. They're rookies whose coaches <laughs> don't really trust them, right? And if Jake Mayer was a savvy veteran who was was playing the best football of his career, surely he would have had more opportunity to air it out and open up that offense. And I question how much the coaching staff really trusts him, right? When you have a quarterback who's averaging that short of depth of target, Vernon Adams Jr.'s average depth led the league at 12 and a half yards. He's thrown a 50, 50% further almost than Jake Mayer on any given down. Zach Kolaris was above 12. Chad Kelly was above 12. Even Jake Dolagala was at close to 11. Like he is, he is routinely checking things down, playing it extremely conservatively. And, and when your run game is popping off, that, that can work. That's not the formula they used for most of the season. And so, you know, I, I think this Calgary coaching staff at the end of the day is good. Um, I, I think offensively they need to refocus this, this off season. Um, but personnel wise, this team needs to upgrade its receiving core in a big way. I think they need to bring in real competition for Jake Mayer. Jake Mayer, let's not forget, has $105,000 of his salary guaranteed next season. That makes it tough to cut him if you want to cut him. But if you can bring in a Drew Brown to be a, a 1B, or if you can bring in a, a Dane Evans to be the 1B to Jake Mayer's 1A, if you can bring in uh, even even a Jeremiah Masoli. I think Jeremiah Masoli wants to be back in Ottawa, but you know I, I don't think the Red Blacks can bring him back at, at the $500,000 price point that he's, that he's due. So if he becomes free, you know, find somebody who can push Jake Mayer and get him some targets who can do a better job of separating and better job of hanging on to the football. Because right now, Jake Mayer looks complacent, and those game plans look awful stale. Uh, just quickly, out east, uh, Hamilton taking on Montreal. Um, obviously, the juggernaut that is Toronto awaits the winner of that one. Do like Who of Hamilton or Montreal ha- has the better chance of maybe upending the Argos and pulling off a, a giant upset in the east final? Or are we just kind of killing time until Toronto represents the east in the Grey Cup? Well, the last team that won 16 games in the regular season did not end up making it to the Grey Cup. So I don't think that we should write off any possibility of the Argos not making it. But that being said, I, I think their chances of going are, are above 95%. Like, like the Toronto Argonauts are so well-rested. They are so talented. Their depth has been incredible. A lot of the guys who they've sat, you know, who, they've been replaced by no-names and rookies and guys who no one's ever heard of. And they step into the lineup and they make – just amazing plays. I mean, guys like, like Mason Pierce has been unbelievable at halfback for them. A raw rookie out of the, the Colorado School of Mines, which I don't think anybody considers to be a, a hotbed of, of professional football prospects. But he's one of many who, who have been stellar down the stretch for the Toronto Argonauts. So I, I think that the team probably more likely to upend them would be the Montreal Oets just because they, they have been the better team. But that being said, Yellowets have won largely on on playing a very conservative style of offense and and blanketing people on defense. They're they're 11 and 0 against teams worse than them in the standings, 
and they went 0-7 against the top three teams in the league. So maybe wow. the Hamilton Tiger Cats then are the better candidate. After all, the, the Tiger Cats between Bull Levi Mitchell and Matthew Schultz, I think have a better chance of, of getting a hot hand, and they certainly got better weapons in the receiving core. But but again, I, I think this Argos, defense, or this Argos team is so dominant. I think the odds of them representing the East Division in this year's Grey Cup are are not a hundred, certainly not 100%. There's a reason you play the games, but it's it's certainly very high. I love this time of year in the Canadian Football League. Uh, John, thanks for helping us break it down today. We appreciate it. Thanks, Pete. Anytime. Thank you. There is John Hodge from Three Down Nation joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. That is his take on everything going on in the CFL. Uh, Let's go now to uh, a more focused approach on the Calgary Stampeders as we go to today's Stamps Report. The Calgary Stampeders took to the field Tuesday for their first practice this week ahead of their game Saturday in BC. And not just any game, the Western Semi-Final. A rematch of last year's playoff game for the Stampeders, but they're hoping for a much better result. That was Jake Mayer's first CFL playoff start. Nathan Rourke played for BC, threw a couple of touchdowns while Mayer and the offense struggled to move the ball, giving way to Bo Levi Mitchell in the second half after not playing prior weeks due to injury. Dave Dickinson was asked about what can be taken from that game after the Tuesday session here in Calgary. Well, I mean, we looked at what we did, how we practiced, you know, what mindset we came into the game with, uh, watched the game to see, you know, some, maybe they, they had a week off last year as well. So you should expect some new stuff. Uh, we just have to adjust on the sideline, uh, you know, cause when a team has a week off before the game, you know, you should expect trick plays. You should expect things that maybe they haven't shown all year. And the problem is you don't know what they're going to be, uh, but you have to do a great job on the sideline. You kind of got to trust your eyes and, and hopefully do a great job. Lions would end up losing to the Bombers in the West Final. Actually, both divisions finished with the exact same rankings as 2022. Exact same playoff matchups and everything. Stampeders did beat the Lions just once in the regular season in the most recent game out in BC, that in Week 20. Stamps fueled by the run game in that victory, although they'll be ready to attack however they need to. Usually you think if the weather is bad, that's where the run game is so important. I still like thinking balance, big plays. Um, it is nice if you can control the line of scrimmage. So, but you can do that in different ways. Um, if you're not getting pressure on their quarterback, it's going to be a long day too. So, uh, yes, uh, who controls the line of scrimmage on both sides will have a big impact on the game. Good news for the Stampeders. Reggie Bagleton and Kadeem Carey both look like they'll be available after they miss the regular season finale to heal up some bumps and some bruises. On the defense, Cam Judge and Brandon Dozier both on the field, but Brad Muhammad was not. Also saw cornerback Jonathan Moxie not doing his usual workload. Might end up as limited or did not practice on the injury report, but Dave Dickinson hopes that he can practice fully come Wednesday. Yeah, he should be fine. I, would, I wouldn't expect anything major, so I uh, would expect him back practicing tomorrow. Your health uh, pretty good as maybe better than it's been all year? <laughs> well, knock on wood. Uh, we're doing okay, but, you know, like I said, I'm excited the guys are shooting, they're working hard, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have a good group out there ready to compete. Yeah, and I would not be shocked if head coach and general manager Dave Dickinson is a little more coy with the game plan and roster information this week as, of course, playoff Dave is in full form now. It is a new season, after all. Everybody's 0-0. Zero zero. Um, some teams will get a, their first win by just hanging out on the couch. Uh, and that's the buys, but uh, we got to earn it. We got to, we got to, we got to go play uh, a great game on the road. Um, you know, not that we can't do that. We've shown we can. Uh, I'm excited to see which team shows up, and 
I'm excited for these guys, uh, the opportunity that's there, but I do want to make sure they understand it's going to be very difficult. We've got to show up with our best. They have shown that they can win on the road at times. Vernon Adams Jr., he's going to be more healthy than he was in that last game, but how healthy, that is hard to say. It's probably going to be a huge factor in this game. We'll keep an eye on those injury reports out of BC as the week progresses. I did have a chance to talk to Derek Wigan about what he saw when they faced the Lions a couple weeks ago. Talked about facing Vernon Adams and the journey after Tuesday's session, right before he was rushed off to meetings. It's that time of the year, It's right? that time of year. Yeah. Meetings, preparing, getting everything ready for the BC Lions. We're chatting with Derek Wigan here, getting set for the Lions on Saturday. You guys got a little bit of a road trip. How'd it feel getting back on the practice field? How was the energy? It was good. It was great energy, you know. It's like at this point in the year, you're fighting every week to continue your season. So, like, you always – you don't want to be flat going into, you know, your your our, our 2023 years on the line right now, right? Yeah, and for you guys, it hasn't been the most outstanding year. You've been here for a while. You've never made the playoffs as a sub-500 team. But now what does it feel like to be able to wash the record and 0-0 going up against the Lions? Yeah, 0-0. And, you know, I've lost the teams in the Great Cup that were under 500. So, you know – once you you just need to take it in, and after that, it's the blank slate. It's blank slate, and you just got to keep. You just got to win to survive. We're fine for our lives. Tell me a little bit about this Lions team. What you learned in that last game? You guys were able to keep a pretty good cover on that Lions offense, which has been dynamic all season long. No, I'm, I'm expect they're they're going to come at us with a lot of energy, a lot of energy. They're going to want to jump on us early, so we gotta we gotta be able to survive, like be, survive the the early initial punch from them and keep going, keep fighting, make it a dog fight, make it grimy make it grimy and give ourselves a chance at the end of the game. Mike Rose had a lot of sacks in the regular season. How much have you helped him get those numbers, being the other guy on the interior of that D-line? I got the best view in the house. Like, <laughs> no, Mike, like Mike has been amazing, you know? Like, I wish he got more notice for the 11 sacks, you know? Like, Micah Johnson's the other guy that got it. I wish he got the same amount of, like, notor- like, report, like, spad, whatever you want to call it, for getting those 11, because that's huge. Like, second D tackle, Calgary history to get double digits. And, like, you know, like, I just try to make things easy on him. You, uh, like you said, you have the front, you get the front row seat. What's the difference between trying to accumulate sacks on the edge versus the interior? It's a significant advantage to be on the outside. Yeah, of course. You know, like you got, there's usually a guard or a center waiting for you in case for Mike. Sometimes he might have a back looking to chip him. So it's like, so you got your straight fastest line to the quarterback, but you got to get through a little bit more uh, blockers to get there sometimes. What did you see from, from Vernon Adams in that last game? Uh, saw, uh, saw a guy like shit. He's gonna he's gonna take his shots. He's gonna take his shots, and we gotta be able to defend. That we did a good job last game, but we know they've had two weeks to kind of get ready for us. So now we gotta expect they're gonna have some adjustments. We gotta be able to handle, and then you know just energy from the start. Energy from the start. It's Halloween tonight. You dressing up? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm uh, gonna be sitting on the couch uh, watching <laughs> film and relaxing, getting ready for a big game. Okay, what's your favorite Halloween candy then? Oh, Kit Kat. Okay. Easily. Oh, Easily. that was no question. Easily, hey? no question. Best of luck this week. All right, thank you so much. Pretty solid season for Derek Wigan on the interior. Solid choice for Candy as well. Of course, he won the President's Ring as voted on by his teammates. We'll see how he can impact the game on Saturday as one of the KG veterans of this defense. Brings up a great point there, too. He, they did lose to the 8-9-1 Ottawa Red Blacks and then the 9-9 Toronto Argonauts in the 2016 and 2017 Grey Cups. That all before they captured the 2018 title. Anything's possible from this point on, especially with Reggie Bagleton in the fold. Really helps that Stampeders offense. He's had a massive season. He's the Stampeders MOP nominee. 
and I had a chance to catch up with him about this matchup with BC after Tuesday's session. We're getting set for a playoff game here with Reggie Bagleton. It's the Lions on Saturday. You guys got a little bit of a road trip. How did you feel getting back out on the field after uh, missing the regular season finale there? Oh, it feels good. Uh, it's always a blessing to be back on the field or on the field in general. So uh, anytime, you know, I, I, I get that privilege, I, I, I take it seriously. You guys had to battle to get into the playoffs. You win two of your last three games. Do you feel like you have some momentum going into the playoffs here? I mean, the game of football is all about momentum, but we know who we are. We know what it needs, know what it takes to win. Uh, we've been at, through adversity all year. I mean, we found pretty much every way in the book of not of not how to win. You know, yep. so it's 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 one of those things where, you know, you, you look at yourself in the mirror and, and ask yourself, what am I doing wrong in this moment? And flip that switch and, and 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 do the right thing. When you are a star receiver on a team like this, what does it mean to have a balanced run game as well, knowing you guys can rely on Kadeem or Peyton or Diedrich, whoever's back behind that line? I mean, our offense is based on the run. Everybody knows that. Uh, and for us to be committed to our game plan is something we have to value. It's something we we have to uh, have a standard going into every play, going into the game. Uh, we know that we lean on those guys, uh, Kadeem, you know, Diedrich, uh, Logan. We we lean on those guys, and, and they, they know we're going to play for them. So whenever we could get out, you know, get out opportunities to, to put the ball in the air, uh, they work for us, and so we're going to do the same thing for them. Sets up play action for you guys as well, which always helps. I wanted to ask you about Jake Mayer and what you've seen as far as growth since that last playoff game against the BC Lions. I mean, Jake has been Jake the entire year. Jake is this guy who who's looking to strive to be better. I mean, sometimes the the dominoes don't fall right, and that's just that's just part of the game. Uh, we've had faith in Jake all year, uh, and and one thing about Jake is that we can communicate, over communicate, and that 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 helps with a healthy relationship, any kind of relationship. What's the biggest thing you guys need to work on in practice this week? Um, energy. Energy and coming out here and doing your job, doing your 112. Understand that the man next to you is going to give his all and, and, and make the, the actual play or the scheme work. Best of luck, Reggie. Thank you. Reggie Bagleton, he and the Stampeders going to be in BC on Friday for their game Saturday against the Lions. Kickoff at 4.30 following the East semifinal between the Alouettes and the Tiger Cats. Practice Wednesday going to be closed. Standard practice on Thursday. Travel depth charts Friday. That all ahead of Saturday's game. With your Stampeders report, I'm Matt Rose. Thank you, Matty Rose, and thank you to you for tuning in today. That is going to do it for Sportsnet today, and uh, that's going to do it for my little stretch of filling in here. Back to your regularly scheduled programming tomorrow. My name is Peter Klein. You can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I am at Primetime Klein. I also host a podcast called Couch Potato Diary. Uh, coming up on the station here tonight, uh, up next, it is Real Kipper and Bourne. At 4 p.m., it is Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers. I'm sure they'll have a lot more from Flames practice today. And then at 6 o'clock, the Rangers look to take a commanding lead in the World Series as they play the Diamondbacks in Game 4 of the Fall Classic. That is a 6 o'clock start here on your radio. Thank you all so much. It is always a blast coming back here and chatting some flames with you, even when the team isn't always all that fun. It's fun talking with all of you, uh, and hopefully I'll get a chance to do it again soon, right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.